we're doing litres of tap beer for ten dollars a litre, right? And this guy came in and I put the F Force terminal in front of it and it had ten dollars and he said, add a zero. <laughs> he paid a hundred dollars for a litre of beer just so that we could keep our dream alive, you know? Dirty Linen comes to you today from Melbourne. Actually, <laughs> Dirty Linen always comes to you from Melbourne. But I, I think life in Melbourne feels a little bit strange at the moment. We are used to being in lockdown while the rest of the country dilly-dallies about and seems to go about life as more or less normal. At the moment, things feel rather different. Uh, I'd say this is a un- unique period in the pandemic where much of the rest of Australia is locked down and Melbourne is definitely not normal but we're doing okay at least for now one day at a time so I just want to take a moment to shout out to everybody around the country who might be finding themselves in lockdown I hope you are hanging in there and if you've got a story that needs to be told please get in touch because we would love to have a chat Today, we are chatting to Anna Streeter. She is in Melbourne, not that far from me, in Port Melbourne at the Prince Alfred Hotel. She's a publican and I cannot wait to hear how she's been navigating the pandemic and particularly dig into something rather interesting and strange that's been happening this week. Welcome, Anna. Thanks, Janine. Thanks for having me. Just put us in the picture. Tell us about the Prince Alfred um, okay, so we um, took over the beautiful venue about five, it'll be five years ago this September. Um, it was always my husband Tom's dream to own a pub. Um, and they always say, you've got to, if you want to own a pub, you've got to talk about it for 10 years and then you'll eventually finally buy one. Um, <laughs> I had like a corporate PR background um, and had never intended to work there, but about three years ago, I decided to quit my job and join the pub circus and I love it. I haven't ever looked back. It's a wonderful industry to be in, beautiful people, um, and our locals are just divine. We um, have this beautiful community. Um, you know, it's not um, unusual for uh, like at any given time for us to know probably 75%, if not 100%, of the people's names in the pub, their kids' names, their dogs' names, um, their football teams, that sort of stuff. So uh, craft beer pub, uh, folks on food, pool table, cool live music yeah we it's just it's supposed to be a bit of a home away from home everyone's lounging I love it I mean pubs are so special I was in a pub uh last night in Nagambi um only like an hour and a bit up the Hume I had a little sneaky getaway um because getaways aren't always possible and that feels like it was one of those kinds of pubs um not so much a craft beer pub but just the sense of you, everyone's local because it was definitely one of those ones where, you know, heads turned when my friend and me walked in. Uh, but, you know, we were a bit of a curiosity for five seconds and then it was just, you know, the friendly spirit um, reeled us in and we were part of things for the brief time that we were there. But there is nothing like a good pub. Yeah, and it's it's like people's local, it's so important to them and they we didn't realise, I think that's one of the things that came through lockdown was how passionate people are about it. But like we had a um, an older couple come in or downsizing, oh, we finally sold our apartment today, we're so happy, or sold our house. Um, and then a young couple came in, we know two locals, oh, my God, we bought our first house today, we're so excited. And we're like, was it on this street? And we were like, <laughs> hey, guys, you know. Tim and Sue meet Peter and Sarah. You guys need to sit together and have a bottle of champagne because you just bought each other's house. Like that is so beautiful. Well, that is the absolute epitome of the neighbourhood hub. 
Um, so obviously, you know, you've had a pretty interesting period as publican, Anna, um, going through a pandemic. I'd love to hear some of the things that you've done to navigate this time. Well, if you go back to that first day of lockdown, like March 2020, and we got the news, we're pretty devastated. Devastated is probably an understatement. We sat down uh, with our management team and that Monday morning thought, what are we going to do? Like, what, what, what do we do? So we decided together that we would stay open. We'd leave the doors unlocked. We'd see what, like, come what may, welcome people in. We didn't realise that the community would be just as devastated as we were, that their local, like their lounge room wasn't going to be available. Um, so, you know, we thought, right, what are we going to do? Well, we'll trade out of, you know, the beer that's in the cellar. So we poured beer into some glass milk bottles we sourced from one of our locals who is a, um, who's a, um, a, a coffee um, brewer. And so he put us onto some cold drip coffee brewer. So he put us onto some milk bottles um, and we started selling food out in the kitchen. Like the chef was freezing stuff down and we just saw what we could. Initially, we just thought we'd, that's what we'd you know, maybe trade for a week or two and then go into lockdown. But people were coming in and saying, are you going to keep doing this? You guys are going to keep doing this? Like, we are loving this tap beer. Please say you're going to keep doing this. Um, so then we're like, all right, well, where are we going to get kegs of beer? Because the brewers started canning them instead of kegging them. Um, so we drove around to um, other, literally other pubs that had closed and were pulling kegs out of their cellars. Wow. Yes. Yeah. They would have loved that. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I'm like, well, the gyms were closed, so we're still getting a workout. Um, it was really fun. We're meeting these other publicans. How are you guys going and chatting and driving around and, um, you know, going to brewers and like, how many kegs have you got? Right, we'll take them all and realised we could put nine kegs in the back of our station wagon and many trips um, to all over Melbourne. Um, but, you know, we had no choice. Like we had literally all our eggs in one basket. Tom and I, it's, it's, our, it's our life. So we just had to keep going. Like there was no choice but just get up and go to work. And it did. It gave us, you know, reason to get up each day. Um, at the start we didn't know whether we were going to get well, – there was no job keeper. Um, but we were lucky enough that, you know, we, we did get – job keeper for um, a few front of house staff and for a few kitchen staff. So we were like, well, okay, we can get them back and get them in. And, you know, we, we stayed open every single day. That is amazing. So what are some of the other strategies and projects that you had to get yourselves through? Oh, so, well, you know, like we, we tried to keep ourselves entertained and have a bit of fun. It was such a, you know, depressing and really challenging mentally time for everyone so we did still you know, dress up night so we donned fluoro outfits and had an 80s night and a soundtrack to um you know to go with that we did tiger king because tiger king was really big so <laughs> i put on a long blonde wig and answered the phone prince alfred port melbourne this is carol baskin speaking <laughs> uh, <laughs> we did like jaws stuff we like dressed up as you know like lifeguards and did did silly stuff and you know locals loved it they come in like they come in rather than phoning up to place their food order because they wanted to see what you know shenanigans we're up to um we put cocktails in cryovac bags we did like heat need at home meals we did all sorts of stuff half the initiatives we came up with fell flat but we just yeah needed to keep something to do you know do something to keep the doors open and our staff in jobs and um you know everyone a bit pepped up yeah, I mean, it's amazing because I feel like the first lockdown, there was that kind of manic energy of, you know, the, the initial pivots. But then when it came to the long lockdown, um, 
some of that energy sort of seeped away for a lot of businesses and, you know, some customers weren't able to keep spending, you know, other people had their own circumstances. I mean, did you, you know, how hard was it for you to keep the energy up? Oh, really challenging. And there were days where you're just like, I can't do this. So we had a few, you know, you you make sure you have your time off to, you know, just to to regroup and and get your energy back. Um, And I reckon I cried every single day of that first lockdown. And I'll cry now because it was, we were just so honoured by the support that our locals gave us. Like, I'll tell this story and I still cannot say it without crying, but we're doing litres of tap beer for $10 a litre, right? And this guy came in and I put the F force terminal in front of it and it had $10. And he said, add a zero. Wow. <laughs> he paid $100 for a litre of beer just so that we could keep our dream alive, you know? That's <laughs> um, so beautiful. Yeah. I mean, so many um, hospitality businesses uh, had their staff at the forefront of their mind when they were, you know, were looking at ways that they could keep a little bit of money flowing through the business. Tell me about how you thought about your staff and, and what you tried to do for them. Uh, well, yeah, it was, it was so challenging. Um, our staff, our family, you know, we've had, we've had staff members who've literally been with us for the, since the beginning, since we took over and, you know, cousins and sisters and um, boyfriends and girlfriends and stuff all work there. So, like through that first lockdown, you know, we we did what we could um, with JobKeeper and then to pay um, other wages. But then I think like the big – when we reopened in November and everyone had to work so hard, they had to pour so many cocktails, so many beers, run so many kilometres like through the venue every day. We'd all like compare our steps at the end of the day, you know, 20 kilometres a day wasn't unheard of. Wow. Um, yeah. So then lockdown – I don't know what are we going to call them, three and four this year. We, when we went to lockdown, obviously the rosters had been done for those future weeks. So we, we just paid their their wages. We just went, guys, we know we're not open those hours, but you've got to pay your rent, pay your bills, make ends meet, um, not stress too much. So we just felt it was appropriate to pay their full wage. They had, you know, worked so hard for us and it was the, you know, that was all, that was, you know, we felt, that we wanted to do that for them. Um, and then we also took like all the cash income that we had received and we divided it by our staff members. So we divided by 20 staff and just gave them that cash as, as a thank you for, you know, sticking with us. Wow. I mean, that's, that's really so heartening. Um, and I just, I mean, I know you're not doing it because, you want to build loyalty, but I just can't imagine how much that must go to, I mean, every staff member is so precious at the moment. I mean, I really feel like there's a, there's definitely an investment in longevity of of your staff as well there. Yeah. Well, and I've seen like, I mean, yeah, they're they're out, they're our family, literally our family. Um, But I've seen customers like have a giggle, and, uh, you know, the staff bantering behind the bar and they just said, we just love your staff. Like we're just watching them have fun, dance together, be silly. Um, yeah, it's, it, so you, that's how we foster that, I suppose. Um, how has your business changed? Like once when you reopened, were there things that sort of hadn't been going so well for you in the past that you saw you'd actually managed to build through lockdown or, you know, were there other changes that you that you saw? 
Yeah, well, and that's sort of the question. We, like when we took over the pub, we sort of, it was a bit of an evolution, not a revolution to get it where it is today because pubs mean so much to people. We didn't want to, you know, storm in and change things immediately. But as we've evolved, you know, it became this like local watering hole, you know, Friday, Saturday nights, people pop down for some drinks, maybe a few meals. Um, and then, you know, during lockdown, a lot of people, in, you know, in Port Melbourne couldn't support us by coming in for a beer, but they, you know, people do still eat three meals a day. Um, so they support us by buying takeaway meals. Um, and they got to know that the food was really great. Like our chef's awesome and, you know, I love the food. So it was really, it was really nice for people to, to, to try it and go, wow, this is really delicious. Um, you know, and at one stage we were the only pub that was open in Port Melbourne. So if people wanted a Palmer, they literally had no choice um, <laughs> but to come to us. Um, and the change is that now it's, not unusual for us to be completely booked out on a Friday and Saturday night. So we've gone from, you know, where people might pop down for, for a beer and, you know, now they're like, some, unfortunately, with the, the um, capacity restrictions, sometimes we have to turn our beautiful locals away. Wow. So people, you really trained people into enjoying your food. Yeah, I think that's because, I mean, they they trained themselves, you know, by just through their nature of wanting to support us and what can they do? Well, we'll buy a meal and, yeah. Like just mm. thanks. <laughs> what was it like for you guys in um, Melbourne's most recent outbreak when Port Melbourne was a real hotspot? There was so many. There was a workplace in Port Melbourne. Um, someone who was COVID positive had worked there. A few other people um, got went positive, and a lot of the um, businesses along the street were also um, case you know site locations. What was that like for you guys? We, it was scary. We just kept thinking how long till we get named, how long till it's our turn. Um, and we reached out to the local businesses around us to offer support, the ones that had been named, um, you know, fellow pub owners and um, fellow small business owners who are regulars at the pub, you know, to just moral support, you know, or, you know, whatever they needed. Um, but like I said, it is such a beautiful community. And it really, really made it feel really real. And so I feel for anyone who's been close contact or close by or it just yeah, rocked our world a little bit. It was suddenly real. Yeah. I mean, how did you, your fellow business owners that had been named, like how did, how did they cope? Because, I mean, I feel obviously it's not, something that you want to be associated with your business but at the same time when it's so widespread we're sort of used to it I, I feel like you know do people you know is the business you know damned forever in people's minds or are people a bit more realistic and realize like this could happen anywhere you can you can do a clean and you know open back up again yeah well thankfully it's not the two-week close down that it used to be right so it's the it's a quick in out deep clean and then back to business um so thank goodness that's you know sort of what happened with those businesses i mean but then we went port melbourne into lockdown but we just kind of made a pact as soon as we reopened we'd make a point of going back to those businesses to go and have a meal to you know shop that sort of stuff to make sure that they realized they weren't tainted and it, it literally can happen to anyone and the more we learn about it the, you know, the more we understand and, yeah, mm, the faster yeah. we can deal with these situations. On a totally different tangent, Anna, it's now July and some people will be doing dry July and, you know, the whole non-alcoholic drinks thing is huge. Um, I read an article today uh 
talking about pubs. It was a she was a non-drinker and she wrote an article about how she didn't really she kind of wished that pubs weren't the place that people always went to for group celebrations, for, you know, for the work end of year drinks or whatever it was, um, because she felt that she wasn't as a non-drinker. It just really wasn't a great place for her. What what have you sort of noticed in this space, and do you do things to accommodate non-drinkers? Yep. Um, we're, we're parents of a 21 year old and he isn't a drinker. So, um, it's, it's just interesting. Like, and we're quite, we're really supportive of that too. We like, again, the pub is your lounge room. You don't drink in your lounge room every day. So you should be able to come to your lounge room and, and not have a drink. So we've, we now stopped, we've gone to, um, done a bit of research. There's some really cool independent non-alcoholic beers. Heaps Normal's one that we stock all the time. Um, there's a few others, like we're doing like different styles. Um, we do heaps of mocktails, um, non-alcoholic gin tonics. They're really beautiful. And we still present them in a beautiful gin balloon. Um, so people still, you know, they're having a, a lovely non-alcoholic experience. Do you find that it's a market that's growing? Definitely. Yeah. Um, lots more, um, yeah, lots more demand, uh, which is great because it kind of made us sit up and go, oh, we really need to be catering for this area of the market. Um, it actually, I suppose the first time we thought about doing it was when one of our, um, our regulars had a liver transplant last year and that obviously really hit home with us. So um, we still wanted to make sure he could come in every single day like he used to. Um, so that's why, yeah, we've mm. been supporting him. Yeah, it's fantastic. I guess it's just another way that pubs, are, they are part of the community, but they also respond to the community. It's about being good mates, right? <laughs> totally. Um, so, Anna, let's talk about something a little bit tricky that's been happening for you guys this week. Um, you are next to a vaccination hub there in Port Melbourne. Um, tell us uh, what you've done in relation to that. Well, so... We, Tom and I both went and got our COVID vaccinations, our first vaccination um, earlier this week. God, it feels like a month ago now. This has been a, <laughs> a yep, blown up. Um, and we thought, right, what can we do, you know, right, what can we do to support other people, you know, to feel okay about the vaccinations? I took a selfie and I was like, I've got it. I've done. I'm fine. I'm feeling good. I'm okay. Um, and that's sort of where I stopped. And then Tom's like, no, let's, let's do, let's give people a free beer or a pint, like a wine or whatever. Um, if they go and get their vaccination, right? So, yeah. Um, we made a post, we put on Facebook and Instagram and we said, if you bring in your little blue vaccination card and we'll shout you a drink. Sounds pretty normal and great. Yep. Was kind of made with like, like a localized intent. So sort of just to, you know, aimed at our sort of local 1800 followers of you know it's about 20 percent of the port melbourne drinking population um and we just wanted to encourage locals to do their bit um and we were are happy to put our hand in our pocket to fund it we haven't had any government or brewery subsidization um we're happy to wear the cost it's like an investment to keep us open um we didn't anticipate that people with very large followings and strongly held views would share it and use it as a like a lightning rod to um, spark the debate about COVID and vaccines and it has seemed to have just raged. Um, you know, the first 
few comments were from our locals um, and then following that, a few hundred comments from anti, you know, with largely anti the post. Um, some of them got really um, quite personal and they were calling for our business to fail. Um, and it felt pretty daunting and isolating at the time. Um, we, you know, we really just wanted to provide people um, with some small incentive or encouragement to do their bit and help keep Melbourne and our pub open. So you see vaccination as a pathway out of these cascading lockdowns? Well, it seems that that's, um, you know, all, all the, the studies, the view, it seems that that is the, the way to get out of it. Um, it's it's not like our position on vaccination isn't like based on any strongly held ideological position. It's just more of a pragmatic thing. So it seems that the prevailing view is more people vaccinated equals less COVID equals it's less likelihood that we'll end up in lockdowns and, you know, all the associated social and economic costs that we've just talked about um, that come with lockdowns. Mm. I mean, it's it's so interesting that you need to frame a, a pro-vax position as it's not ideological because if it's I mean it, it's not ideological. It's science, like it's just facts. Um, but but a anti-vax movement is uh, in many cases not to put everyone in the same basket, but um, there are a lot of people that do take an ideological position on it and are quite illogical, um, not science-based view of, you know, whatever it is, what's in the vaccines, who wants you to have them, what the actual plan is, um, all, you know, insert conspiracy theory here. And um, I just think it's rubbish. I shared your post um, on my Instagram and then I got some anti-vaxxers that were very disappointed in me um, and were going to just have to unfollow me and just never expected this from me. Um, (laughs) I've got pro-vaxxer in my bio, so I'm really sorry that it came as such a surprise to people. Um, it's, It's not a great place, is it? No, and uh, like that, that's it, it. Just like we were just looking at our, at the phone at our phones last night, last night, whatever Monday night, Tuesday night, and just watching this unfold and going, "What do we do?" I was like, "No, stay firm, stay firm." Um, this is, you know, this is we're not being political. This was us, you know, just trying to let people know there was an easily accessible spot in their suburb and that we'd support them if they were brave enough to get the needle, um, and it, it just was really daunting like it just god how bad is going to get i think the one thing that really upsets me the most about it is people going to google and giving us a one-star review i think that's unethical you can disagree with our views but that's not a true review and i've contacted google and they've said they can't there's nothing they can do about it because there's nothing i can do about it um like i'm I'm okay that it sparked debate like it's okay some people are going to hold different views to ours they always should and it's okay that you express those views as well but it's not okay how aggressive and abusive it's become. Um, personal insults, um, the gleeful remarks that, you know, uh, they're assuming that our pen, our business is, is about to fail um, just because we hold different views to each other. Oh, it's so awful and I I reckon if, it's, if you're able to escalate it with Google, um, I would say I would suggest that you do because they actually are able to do something about it. I had a restaurateur contact me a couple of months ago about a different um, 
ideological battle that she was facing over some artwork in a restaurant that um, some people felt was um, insulting Uh, and she had a similar pile on and she was able to go to Facebook and Google and get the negative reviews removed. So, um, yeah, might be worth having another go. She also went to the police because there were some threatening messages that she had received. Um, and, uh, yeah, the police were also uh, really helpful. It's it's definitely, it's as you say, it's fine to have different views. Um, it's not okay to be um, threatening and vile. Correct. And then, then I have to thank you, Danny, because... Sharing it and commenting on it is like just you led the charge. Like Tom and I were joking about this. Are you a um, Harry Potter fan? Uh, you know what? Honestly, I'm not really, but I have heard okay. of Harry Potter. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. You might get this in. We were like the the. It's like the Death Eaters had come at us. Like they're attacking. Hogwarts and you like Dumbledore leading the army out like all like the the um Dumbledore's army came and it you know sort of made the comments of the you know against the, the Death Eaters but I, I probably shouldn't pose them in positive and negative views because the views are okay that is how it felt to us that someone was coming to our side and started you know commenting back on those um and, and having some fair debates not those aggressive personal attacks um so we're really like grateful to you thank you for coming to our aid and grateful to all those people who offered comments supporting us um you know it felt like there's this groundswell of support that um and we did realize sort of majority of people are in favor of the same things we are not living in fear of outbreaks um and you know closing down the city and um you know people don't want to be asked to stay in their homes for extended periods of time yeah, no matter how many wigs you put on and how many funny voices you answer the phone in, lockdowns are just really not where we want to be. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Um, well, Anna, like I'm, I'm super happy if there's any little thing that I could do that would help, but I feel like these two things, are like pro-vax and anti-vax, they're not equivalent. They're not like I go for Carlton, you go for who do you go for? Carlton. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, yeah, there you go. But it's not like that and nor is it like I go for Carlton and someone who's got a much, much worse taste in football teams goes for Collingwood. Um, They are not equivalent. Uh, One is based on facts and one is not. And I think um, facts and science are what's more or less kept Australia safe. Um, Facts and science are what are going to get us out of here. It doesn't help at all that the um, vaccine rollout has been absolute schmozzle um and i think you know the chaos around that does play into some of the anti-vax narrative um that is incredibly unfortunate but it does not it does not in any way um negate the essential um role that vaccination is going to play in getting us out of the mess that we've been in. Um, So I want to thank you for um, just, yeah, putting the positivity out there and encouraging people or rewarding people for doing their tiny bit to help keep the community safe and keep us moving forwards. Um, So, yeah, I really wish you all the best. I hope that the haters um, just go off and and hate quietly in their own lunch times and leave you to look after your beautiful community. Oh, thank you. And like that is, I swear that's my um my life view is don't be a hater. Just gotta respect everyone's right to hold a view. 
um, and express it, ideally in a constructive and open way. Um, but, yeah, we hope people respect our view and even if they disagree with it. But, yeah, like a smile doesn't cost anything and it, it um, yeah, it, it means the world to, to everyone else. So smile through our masks, people. We can feel it if we can't see it. That's so true. All right, Anna, thank you so much for um, sharing your story today. And, um, yeah, wish you all the best at the Prince Alfred. I look forward to putting my elbow on the bar there one day soon. Cheers. Thanks, mate. Yeah. This is Dirty Linen and I'm Danny Vallant. We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about. We spend a week thrashing around each issue hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We want to hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at dirtylinen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you. This is